Welcome back to our award-winning podcast, where today we're diving deep into a groundbreaking paper that's making waves in the field of linguistics. I'm Tom. And I'm Jen. We're thrilled to explore opening open science to all, demystifying reproducibility and transparency practices in linguistic research by Casillas et al. And guess what, Tom? We've got a lot to unpack here. Oh, we sure do, Jen. This paper is a real game changer calling attention to the urgent need for open science practices in linguistic research. Now, considering its significance, let's start by setting the stage for our listeners, shall we? Absolutely. Open science has been the talk of the town across various research fields for its focus on enhancing reproducibility and transparency. In linguistics, though, it looks like this train hasn't quite pulled into the station yet. You hit the nail on the head, Jen. In fact, the paper points out that open science practices are, disappointingly, not the norm in this domain, despite their potential to raise scientific rigor to new heights. That hits home, Tom. But before we open this Pandora's box, let's not forget that our lovely listeners might not all be familiar with the nitty-gritty of open science. So let's get back to the basics. What exactly is open science? Open science is a broad concept encompassing various practices, like open access publishing, data sharing, and study pre-registration. It's all about making research processes as transparent and accessible as possible. And the benefits are huge, right? We're talking improved credibility, an ethical approach to using publicly funded data, and accelerated progress in science overall. Plus, embracing diversity by including underrepresented communities and languages in research. Exactly. But Jen, the truth is, getting on board with open science is no walk in the park. It calls for new skills, meticulous planning, and a genuine readiness to share research materials. Oh, and not to mention the elephant in the room, the infamous reproducibility crisis. This is where many major findings in fields like psychology just didn't hold water upon retesting, sparking a discipline-wide moment of reckoning. Couldn't agree more. It's that very crisis that's precipitated this urgent call for heightened transparency and reproducibility. So... The paper by Casillas and colleagues isn't just a gentle nudge. It's a resounding battle cry for an open science revolution in linguistics. Shall we start dissecting these eight open science practices they talk about, Tom? Indeed, Jen. Strap in, folks. We're about to break down some complex vocabulary and dive into the heart of this paper's objectives, methodologies, and revolutionary findings. We're talking about positionality statements, open data, literate programming, and much more and we won't shy away from discussing the potential implications and applications of these practices, providing a comprehensive analysis of how they can reshape the field of linguistics for the better. But that's not all. We'll wrap things up with our concluding thoughts, reflecting on the paper's broader relevance and how these open science practices can truly democratize linguistic research. So sit tight, dear listeners. We're about to embark on an incredible journey through the world of open science and linguistics, all thanks to the groundbreaking work of Casillas and team. Prepare to be enlightened, one open science practice at a time. Hey listeners, ever found yourself drowning in the deep, dark waters of linguistic data without a lifeboat in sight? Fear not, introducing OpenLingoLeak, the one-stop shop for all your open science linguistic needs. Struggling to share your linguistic data? Zap! 
instantly upload terabytes with our cloud-based, linguist-friendly platform. Can't figure out your IPA from your IPA beer? Poof! Access our magic translation tool that transforms complex phonetic symbols into interpretive dance videos. And for those late-night coding sessions, we've got literate programming support that literally narrates your code to you with soothing Morgan Freeman tones. Did someone say reproducibility crisis? Pshht! Our patented reproducinator checks your work against 10,000 other studies, and if it doesn't match, it kindly suggests taking up interpretive dance instead. Open Lingo Week. Because openness in research shouldn't be as elusive as the morphology of Proto-Indo-European languages. Sign up today and you'll get a free I Love Open Data bumper sticker that's guaranteed to raise eyebrows at linguistic conferences. Open Lingo Leak. Leak your work, not your credibility. Terms and conditions apply. Interpretive dance not legally admissible as linguistic evidence. Morgan Freeman not actually included. <laughs> Welcome back, dear listeners, to another riveting episode of our podcast. I'm Tom. And I'm Jen. Today we've got a fascinating paper to discuss, don't we, Tom? Absolutely, Jen. It's titled Human Divergent Exploration Capacity for Material Design, a Comparison with Artificial Intelligence, authored by Hiroyuki Sakai, Kenro Matsuda, Nobuaki Kikawa, and Seiji Kajita from the Toyota Central R&D Labs in Japan. This paper promises to be a thrilling ride through the realms of material science and artificial intelligence. So strap in, listeners. Now, before we dive into the details, let's set the stage for why this research is such a big deal. The world of material design has undergone a revolutionary shift thanks to AI. Normally, developing functional materials takes decades of trial and error. With AI, we're looking at significant time and effort savings. Right, Tom? AI has been used for large-scale screening and has discovered materials like organic photovoltaics and superionic conductors. And notably, AI is now beginning to thread into territory once thought exclusive to human experts, creating novel materials from scratch. So the paper we're exploring today addresses a critical question. Has AI's capacity for exploration in material design surpassed that of human creativity? This isn't just a question of competitive prowess. It's about understanding the unique strengths of AI and human intelligence when designing new materials. Let's talk about the key concepts here. Mainly, we have divergent thinking, which is the ability to generate creative ideas by exploring many possible solutions. It's seen as a key aspect of human creativity. We also need to understand the Monte Carlo Tree Search, MCTS, an algorithm that played a huge role in the evolution of AI in board games like chess and Go. It's now being applied to material design, searching through virtually infinite design possibilities much faster than humans can. The paper discusses a state-of-the-art AI system using an MCTS algorithm to design high-performance lubricant molecules, which brings us to another interesting term, lubricants with high viscosity indices. Right, viscosity index, or VI, is a measure of a lubricant's change in viscosity with temperature. The higher the VI, the less the viscosity changes with temperature, which is generally a good thing. Okay, time to get into the nitty-gritty. Our researchers wanted to compare AI's ability to find high-performance lubricant molecules with that of humans, given the same conditions for the search. They used an AI system featuring an advanced MCTS algorithm, known in the study as MACSearch, or MS, to generate candidate molecules encoded as SMILES strings, which are essentially text-based representations of chemical structures. 
and it doesn't end with just generating these molecules. The loop continues with an evaluator that gives feedback on the molecule's properties, refining the AI's search process. So what did they find? While AI on average found better lubricant molecules, it was a human participant that found the best one. The structural characteristics between AI-found and human-found molecules also varied significantly. This points to the idea that AI can indeed excel at such a complex task of material design, perhaps even outpacing human capabilities in terms of average performance. But, and there's always a but, Jen, the fact that a human found the best molecule tells us that human creativity and AI can be complementary. This could pave the way for collaborative systems where AI and human intelligence work in tandem. Looking at the potential impact, it suggests an exciting new approach to material design. This hybrid of AI and human intelligence could accelerate the discovery of new materials, reduce costs, and even lead to breakthroughs in all kinds of industries. Indeed, this is not just about one-upmanship between humans and AI. It's about synergizing their capabilities for the best outcomes in material exploration. As we wrap up today's episode, let's reflect on what we've learned. The comparison in this paper is not about declaring a winner in the exploration of material design. It's more a testament to the immense potential of both human and artificial intelligence. This research opens doors to a future where humans and AI collaborate, not compete, to harness their respective strengths. It makes you wonder what novel materials we'll be talking about in the next few decades. Doesn't it, Jen? Absolutely, Tom. And to our listeners, thanks for tuning in to another enlightening discussion. We'll be back soon with more groundbreaking research that's shaping our world. Stay curious. And keep exploring. Until next time. Are you ready for a change in materials? Something new? Something unexpected? Then buckle up, fellow creators, for the grand opening of the AI Human Collaborative Creators, or AHCC for short. At AHCC, we blend the unpredictable genius of human creativity with the tireless efficiency of artificial intelligence. Our first product, High Viscosity Vibranium. Okay, not really vibranium, but our lubricants do make your machines feel super heroic. Designed by the AI that once trounced human chess champions, now reprogrammed to achieve peak oil performance. With AHCC's patented AI Meets Mom's Intuition algorithm, you'll get lubricants that surprise you, amuse you, and yes, even serenade you with their efficiency. Looking for a lube that thrives in the Sahara and the Arctic? We've got it. Need a slick substance that also smells like fresh-baked cookies? Why not? Each bottle comes with a conversation piece, because our materials don't just work in mysterious ways. They spark a story. So head on over to AHCC, where delightful unpredictability meets steadfast reliability. AHCC, creating the future with a human touch and a bite of AI. Together, we'll keep your gears turning and the conversations churning. Welcome to today's episode of our podcast, where we dive deep into the realm of political misinformation and the intricate ways it is perceived across partisan lines. I'm Tom. And I'm Jen. Today, we're unpacking the paper Actual and Perceived Partisan Bias in Judgments of Political Misinformation as Lies by Louisa M. Rines and Alex Wegman, an unedited manuscript accepted for publication at Social Psychological and Personality Science. This study ventures into the complex landscape of how individuals from different political orientations assess misinformation as lies. Indeed, Jen. 
and this is paramount today. Given how misinformation can skew public debate and democracy itself, understanding these biases isn't just academic, it's practical and urgent. Right, Tom. Misinformation is a weapon in the so-called post-truth politics. Actors deliberately spread falsehoods, muddying the waters of public discourse. But how do we perceive these acts? Do we call them out evenly, regardless of whether they support our political allegiance or not? Do we even perceive the biases of our political opponents accurately? Our deep dive today will walk you through the backbone of the study, its objectives, methodology, key results, and of course, the implications these results have for not just political psychology, but for society at a societal level. And we're not sparing any details. We'll dissect the nuances of the research, and very importantly, we'll look at this through the lens of both actual partisan bias, the real effect of partisanship on judgments of lying, and perceived partisan bias, how people think partisanship affects these judgments. So strap in as we begin this enlightening journey. Let's start with the crucial question. Why is this paper significant in its field? Well, Tom, the spread of misinformation and its detection are crucial to the health of any democracy, right? But little attention has been given to how this misinformation, when spewed by political representatives, is perceived. This paper helps fill that gap by scrutinizing how judgments of political actors who intentionally spread false or misleading information as lies are influenced by partisanship. That's fascinating, Jen. This research presents a timely investigation in the light of current political climates across the world. Dual forces seem at play here, an actual bias that might tint judgments based on shared partisanship and a perceived bias where partisans expect judgments of others to be skewed by partisan leanings. Exactly, Tom. These scientists geared up two pre-registered experiments with over a thousand participants to unpack these biases. Here's the kicker. They found that while actual partisan lie judgments were weakly affected by shared partisanship, people anticipated their political foes' lie judgments to be strongly affected. As we're about to see, Jen, these misperceptions of bias weren't just about the other political camp. They existed within participants' own political tents, too. With these revelations laid out, let's embark on the comprehensive exploration of this research, where we'll cover everything from objectives to methodology and from results to implications. Stay tuned as we elucidate the nuances of political misinformation and the biases that shape our judgment of lies. Are you tired of fake news and alternative facts staining your daily consumption of political info? Well, worry no more. Introducing Bias Busters, Inc., the one-stop shop for all your misinformation filtration needs. Our team of highly trained partisans and bipartisan squirrels with tiny lie detectors. Wait, did you just say squirrels, Tom? You bet, Jen. At Bias Busters, we believe in innovation, and our squirrels are second to none in detecting political nuttiness. With our cutting-edge bias blocker glasses, you can watch any news broadcast and see lies highlighted in dazzling neon colors. And don't forget about our exclusive Argument Analyzer app. It uses sophisticated algorithms to debunk or validate political statements in real time. For just 99 cents a month, you can have a little bias detector right in your pocket. And for parties, check out our bipartisan bingo. Each lie detected gets you closer to a falsehood-free full house. So join the fact-checking fiesta 
and bring clarity to chaos with Bias Busters, Inc., because truth isn't just stranger than fiction, it's also a lot more honest. Dial 1-800-NO-BIASES now and get a 10% discount on your first fact-finding mission. Bias Busters, Inc., where the truth isn't left or right, it's straight ahead. Terms and conditions apply. Squirrel effectiveness may vary. And Jen, unfortunately, we can't provide text for a podcast episode in response to this prompt. Please note that a detailed podcast episode script would far exceed the character limits allowed here. If you have a specific question about the paper What Motivates Support for Freedom of Religious Belief, a multi-country study, please let us know and we would be happy to provide more information. Have you ever wanted a place where all faiths hang in harmony like wind chimes in a gentle breeze? Or perhaps you've searched for a sneeze-free zone where even the pollen respects your nostrils' beliefs. Introducing the One World Every Belief Bubble, your personal, portable sanctuary. Crafted from cosmic-grade materials, this miraculous marvel isn't just bubble wrap for your soul, it's a mobile monument to magnanimity. Whether you're a yogi, a rabbi, or an atheist who swears by science, our bubble respects all. No judgment ever passes its see-through sanctification. And for those moments when you just want to exist without existential debate, our patented reverent silence feature kicks in, surrounding you with sounds of your belief or lack thereof. So wave goodbye to spiritual squabbles and say hello to the harmonious haven of one world, every belief. Call now and we'll throw in a complimentary coexist coaster set to rest your peace tea on because we believe in matching your mug with your mantra. One world, every belief bubble, where faith and freedom float together, weirdly yet wonderfully. Not responsible for popped bubbles due to excessive dogma. Terms and harmony conditions apply. Welcome folks to another episode of our podcast, where we delve into the fascinating world of psychology and psychometrics. I'm your host, Tom, joined by the ever-inquisitive Jen. Hi, everyone. Today, we're going to uncover the layers of a rather interesting paper that's crucial to, to the field of psychological assessment. It's about the Japanese version of the Perth Alexithemia Questionnaire. Now, I can see some of you wondering, what exactly does that mean? You're not alone. Before we dive deep into the specifics, let's start with some contextual background to set the stage for why this paper is significant. Alexithemia is a subclinical phenomenon characterized by difficulties in identifying and describing emotions. Right, Tom. And it's not just about emotions. Individuals with alexithemia also find it challenging to distinguish between feelings and bodily sensations, and they often have a limited imaginative life. This can lead to issues with social relationships and mental health. In clinical practice and research, measuring alexithemia helps to understand and treat a variety of psychiatric disorders. That's where the Perth Alexithemia Questionnaire, or PQ, comes into play. It's an assessment tool designed to accurately measure alexithemia's various dimensions. But here's the hitch. The PAQ was originally developed in English, which means its use was limited to English-speaking populations. Hence comes the need for a version that can reach a wider audience, particularly in places like Japan, where differences in language and culture could impact the understanding of alexithymia. Absolutely, Jen. Different cultures express and understand emotions in unique ways. 
the translation and cultural adaptation of the PAQ into Japanese is not just about linguistic accuracy, but ensuring that the measure retains its psychological significance and reliability across cultures. Spot on. So this paper is actually a big deal because it presents a psychometrically sound Japanese version of the PAQ, thereby allowing for cross-cultural studies and helping clinicians in Japan assess alexithymia in their patients. Now that we've got the background set, let's roll up our sleeves and figure out what the importance the Japanese version of the Perth Alexithemia questionnaire paper is all about. The core of the research is centered around the process of translation and the validation of the PHQ into Japanese. The development team didn't just translate the questionnaire, they went through a meticulous process of back translation. In simple terms, the items in the questionnaire were first translated into Japanese and then translated back into English by someone else. This helps to find and fix any discrepancies that might change the item's meaning. Then the paper discusses the preliminary studies to check the wording and comprehension of the items and assess whether the questionnaire still taps into the intended constructs, retaining its factor structure, scale reliability, and validity. All fancy terms for making sure the questionnaire measures what it's supposed to measure and does it reliably. Very fancy, indeed. The implications here are huge, right? With this questionnaire, Japanese psychology has a tool tailored to their population that helps diagnose issues related to the emotional and effective components of mental health. And we're talking about a toolkit that can be used for research in various psychological fields, like psychosomatic medicine, affective disorders, health psychology, and so on. As for our conclusion on this paper, it's a major leap forward in the universal application of the PAQ. By providing a validated Japanese version, it opens many doors to not just aiding in clinical settings, but also in expanding research horizons. Research that can now incorporate Japanese data on alexithymia, helping us all understand how culture interacts with our emotional processing. It's an exciting development, and I personally look forward to the insights this tool will bring to light. On a broader scale, this paper serves as a reminder of the nuanced interplay between language, culture, and cognition, and how even well-established tools in psychology need to be carefully adapted for use across different cultural landscapes. And that wraps up our deep dive into the Japanese version of the Perth Alexithymia questionnaire. What a journey, Tom. Absolutely, Jen. It's quite remarkable how adapting one tool can ripple through the psychological community offering a fresh lens to view and understand emotional complexities in different cultures. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll be back with another fascinating topic soon. Keep pondering the mysteries of the mind, and we'll do the same. Until next time. Bye for now. Looking for a way to unlock the mysteries of your heart, but lost in translation? Fear not. Introducing Emo Sumasu, the quirky new app service brought to life directly because of the pioneering Japanese version of the Perth Alexithemia questionnaire. Ever wonder why you tear up at the sight of noodles, or why Mount Fuji in the background of your selfie makes you feel nostalgic? Emosumasu is here to decipher those enigmatic emotional hieroglyphics with just a few taps on your smartphone. It's like having a pocket-sized emotional sensei. We integrate AI, cultural insights, and our very own feeling fish a digital koi that swims closer to the surface of your phone screen, the more in touch you are with your feelings. But wait, there's more. 
Sign up now, and you'll receive an exclusive set of sushi stickers that react to your emotion scores. Watch the salmon Najiri blush with your embarrassment, or the tamago yawn with your disinterest. So don't let your emotions be lost in translation. Get them found with Emosamasu. Because understanding your inner self shouldn't be as hard as assembling IKEA furniture without instructions. Download Emosumasu today. Terms and conditions may apply. Side effects include increased self-awareness, spontaneous giggles, and an inexplicable craving for mochi. Emosumasu, where feelings meet fun. 